Hello and welcome to the Greenfield Baptist Sermons Podcast. Each week we will be uploading the Focus Scripture and Sermon from Greenfield Baptist Church in Northeast Pennsylvania. Thank you for joining us and enjoy. Lord God, we are so thankful to be in your house this morning. Thankful that we could gather together. Thankful to be reminded that even after a long week, that we can gather together as friends and family, as fellow believers, brothers and sisters in Christ. Lord, it's good to be reminded that through the ups and downs of life, the difficulties and challenges, the victories, the thing we call life, that we can count on you each and every moment of that day. Lord, we have watched people struggle this week. We have watched people be busy this week. And yet, we can call upon you and quiet our hearts. And so, Lord, I ask this morning that we would, at this moment even now, take away all that stuff from our lives, the stuff of doing life, and that we would really, Lord, take a few moments to hear from you as we listen to your word. That we would hear from you in a new way. I pray, Lord, that you would uh, guide our thoughts and our hearts and would maybe change us uh, just a bit. I pray most of all, Lord, that we would recognize your hand in our life. Because most of all, Lord, that is what's important. Realizing that you are there with us. You have been there beside us. You continue to walk the road we walk. And you have blessed us in the process of that. May we not forget that. In your name we pray. Amen. This morning's scripture, uh, again, will come from a couple different spots. Two places. Uh, we're going to start out in Matthew 22, 15 through 22. Then the Pharisees went out and laid plans to trap to trap him in his words. They sent their disciples to him along with the Herodians. Teacher, they said, we know that you are a man of integrity and that you teach the way of God in accordance with the truth. You aren't swayed by others because you pay no attention to who they are. Tell us then, what is your opinion? Is it right for us to pay the imperial tax to Caesar or not? But Jesus, knowing their evil intent, said, You hypocrites, why are you trying to trap me? Show me the coin used for paying the tax. They brought him a denarius and asked him, and he asked them, Whose image is this? And whose inscription? Caesar's, they replied. And then Jesus said to them, So give back to Caesar what is Caesar's, and to God what is God's. When they heard this, they were amazed and left and left him and went away. Romans chapter 13. 1 through 6. Or 7. Everyone, let everyone be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, whoever rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted, and those who do so will b- bring judgment on themselves. 
For rulers hold no terror for those who do right, but for those who do wrong. Do you want to be free from fear of the one in authority? Then do what is right, and you will be commended. For the one in authority is God's servant for, for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for rulers do not bear the sword for no reason. They are God's servants, agents of wrath to bring punishment on the wrongdoer. Therefore, it is necessary to submit to the authorities, not only because of possible punishment, but also as a matter of conscience. This is also why you pay taxes, for the authorities are God's servants who give their full time to governing. Give to everyone what you owe them. If you owe them taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. If honor, then honor. May God add his blessing as we continue to sing this morning. God, we come to you this morning. We are so thankful, Lord, uh, that you are a mighty, powerful God. And I just pray that each one of us want, would not just sing those words, but would live those words. That we would allow you to be the most important part of our life. That our strength would be gained from our relationship with you. May those not just be words to sing. May they be actions in our heart. Lord, we praise your name this morning. I think of uh, Liz Norman's daughter. And uh, obviously Liz isn't here, but uh, we do praise your name that she got a job. And Lord, just ask that uh, you continue to work in her life. Uh, Lord, there's a, a blessing there. And we're just so excited to be reminded of that this morning. Lord, we ask that you would honor uh, this day and this time as we look at your word. In your name we pray. Amen. Maybe seated. Liz couldn't have been here because we would have heard. <laughs> but she was excited, so and I'm excited. It was exciting to hear. All right. So uh, I want to catch uh, anyone up who hasn't been here. We started a, a series at the beginning of July, July 4th, and this just reminds me that we, we did it for the whole month of July. We talked about our, uh, our Baptist roots or what, our, what, what it means to be Baptist, not because we want or need everyone to be Baptist, but really to understand who we are uh, in Christ through the Baptist denomination and what that means and what it doesn't mean. And one of the things I think that you've probably gotten out of the last, uh, hopefully this month, is that uh, it's, it's about our fragile freedoms, right? Our freedoms... Um, that we, one, enjoy, but the rights and the responsibility that comes with that freedom. You may remember I, I wanted to share with you, uh, that's the book that I used. Uh, that's a, a, a guy by the name of Walter Sheridan. Great book, not terribly huge, and uh, does a really good job. He did a, spent a lot of time looking at a bunch of, of Baptist uh, distinctives, understanding what Baptists do and why they do what they do and how they do what they do, and I uh, really brought it to this four, the forefront of these four understandings. And you re may remember that Bible freedom was uh, the right and the responsibility for us, each of us, to dig into Scripture and not allow uh, someone to tell us what we're going to do as much as we're going to dig in for ourselves, right? We're not going to be lazy about um, our faith. We're going to look and see what the Scriptures say, understand what that means in our life, Seek God so we understand how it works, right? Because 
It doesn't work. We're not robots, so it's not a one, two, three step. We look at how God's working in our life, and, and that's the freedom that we enjoy, right? The other part of that is a sola scriptura, right? Scripture first. So in anything in our life, we look at Scripture, and then we line it up with everything else. We don't line up our life and then just find a Scripture to go with that. We, we go the other way around, right? And then soul freedom was our right and responsibility between us and God to make a decision about where we're going to go, about eternity, and the respect that we have for other people who don't maybe won't make that decision, or the respect that we have that they have that same right that we have to make a decision about eternity for them. And we can't force people to make that decision, and we don't want to force people to make that decision. We weren't forced, I hope you weren't forced to make that decision. That's not really a uh, we talked about, you may remember, we talked about love, right? And love really can't be forced. You can't force someone to love you. You can make them stay with you. You can make them stay in the same house as you. But you can't force someone to love you. They have to love on their own volition. They have to, to be able to do that from their perspective. And last week we talked about church freedom and the right and responsibility of the church. To uh, We talked about how the, if you go to a different church, you'll see a different you might see a different order of worship. You might see a different order of songs. You surely won't find in the American Baptist Church the same sermon across all the American Baptist churches every week, right? That, we, we have a right and responsibility to use the gifts that we have. We got lots of gifts amongst us. Uh, be a real shame if we weren't able to use those, right? And so the Baptist uh, distinctives say that we're allowed to use those and are, are encouraged to find those gifts of our people, in a local level. That means we get to do our ministry at a local level first and foremost, right? We decide how we're going to do ministry. It's the car show, right? You remember the picture I had of the car show? I don't think there are that many churches who have car shows at their church parking lots. Uh, but we have the right and the opportunity, and we found a way that it works for us. We have a lot of people who are excited about uh, cars and uh, hot rods and those kind of things, and, and so we can share that passion that God has given us uh, with people in our neighborhood. And today we're going to talk about religious freedom. And this one's going to be a little more dicey, I, I hope, right? Because this is one that's us against the government kind of thing, you know, ah, right? And so, um, but I want to I encourage you that uh, there are some answers in Scripture. Um, they may not be exactly the ones you want to hear. Uh, they may not be how you react I'm going to challenge you and ask you to think a little bit more openly this morning and not make uh, those decisions about those who we deal with uh, on a political basis and a governmental basis, those things. We're not, that we don't, um, are, aren't quick to make those decisions and that we really do seek God's favor in that. Um, ah. Hey, there it goes. That's weird. So religious freedom is the Baptist affirmation that, that there is a freedom of religion, a freedom for religion, and a freedom from religion. Think about that for a minute. Freedom of religion, a freedom for religion, and a freedom from religion. Insisting that Caesar is not Christ, and Christ is not Caesar. And so I'll ask you the question that I always, I've asked a question every week. Where is the line drawn in your life, where is the line between church and state drawn in your life? 
How do you make that decision about whether you're going to follow the church, follow God's teachings, or you're going to follow the state? And we'll just call the state any uh, ruling authority over us, right? That at some points that's the local level, and it may be the state level, and maybe the federal level. Uh, but how do you make that decision? How do you make a decision where that line is drawn? And I want you to think about that for a moment because I think we do it automatically. And a lot of times we do it because we've learned this one direction and this is how we do it. So if, if we, I'd be willing to bet if we fight the government on everything, I bet our parents or our grandparents helped us to learn some of that, right? And if we go with anything the government says or does, I bet, I'd be willing to bet mostly that our parents are, someone in our, who influenced our life has in, has in fact directed us in that path. And I'm going to ask you to not do that today and to think for yourself, where is that line drawn in your life? And how do you make that decision about your religious freedoms? Right? Because there's no doubt in my mind that this line is being uh, stomped on uh, in our lives on a pretty regular basis, or at least being tiptoed on at at least, right? Um, It's being bumped around. It's not straight for a reason because there have been intrusions, um, probably on both sides, if we're honest, um, there have been intrusions on both sides. Uh, Maybe places where the church should let the state be the state and the state should let the church be the church. Right? And so we have decisions to make. So how do you make those decisions in your life? How do you know which way you're going to go or how you're going to do it? And when do you decide to exercise your religious freedoms? That would mean you make a decision of the church over uh, the law. It'd be kind of silly, but if the church said we could go 70 and the law said we could go 65, we would go 70, right? That would be kind of the, that's, that's, that's not a really good example, but it is an example. There where the church would overstep the, the boundaries of the law. And, and isn't that what's going on in the scripture where the Pharisees, you know, good old Pharisees, right, out to trick Jesus, they said, so uh, what are you going to do? Uh, who, are you paying the tax or aren't you paying the tax? Are you going to do that or not? So first of all, we're going to, um, to help you in, to be encouraged about your religious freedom, I want to encourage you that the scriptures really do tell us, give us some ideas. Now, they don't give us uh, the one, two, three answer, right? That's what we want. I want my one, two, three answer. Give Caesar, you know, I, w- I want to do this. Give him his percent. And your percent. But, but God does give us a lot of uh, understanding and, and help to uh, make better decisions. And so the first thing that uh, I would say that what we would do would be what Jesus did um, in this passage. Uh, Jesus knew the way of God. And it says, it says in verse uh, 16, He knew the way of God in accordance with the truth. So Jesus knew what God's answer would be in accordance to the truth, and He followed that. So it's, I think it's pretty interesting that what do the Pharisees do? They try to stroke His ego, right? They say, hey, we know you know what you're talking about. We know you're pretty good at like making decisions and and yet they're trying to dis, to trick him right and that's what they're we know you're a good man you're full of integrity and uh you know the truth so 
Did you see what the Pharisees ask? They don't ask him about the truth, do they? So what's your opinion? <laughs> to me, that's like, it's, it's, it just speaks volumes, right? We know you're a good guy. We know we know what you're talking about. We know you're really knowledgeable. So tell us what you think. Not, don't tell us what you know. Tell us what you think. I had, this, uh, I had this very experience this week at school. I was at school for the week. I had this experience at school. I had a friend of mine uh, new to the program, and, and she's kind of frustrated with something that's going on within the program. And she's like, and so I'm standing there. She's like, you know, I know you probably would give me the right answer, or the true answer, or, you know, almost like uh, you're a pastor, so you've got to give the pastorly ish the answer, right? So I know you're not going to tell me what you think. You're going to tell me what the pastor would say. And she begins to tell me this, uh, this issue that she has, and she shows me the email. And she's like, I don't want to send the email. I just wanted you to read it. I'm thinking about sending it, but... But at the end of the conversation, guess what happened? She was right where she was at the beginning, right? She wants to stroke my ego and then do what she was going to do in the first place. <laughs> Which is what they're doing here, right? They're trying to trick Jesus into, all right, we're going to stroke your ego, but, and we know you know God's truth, but what do you think about this? And what does Jesus tell them? Or that's the question they ask. I'm sorry. That's the question they ask, right? The question they ask is, is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Is Caesar the king or not? And, of course, Jesus, said, uh, Jesus tells them, pay Caesar what is his, pay God what is his, right? That's what he tells them. So one of the things that I, I think in a practical way for us is that we need to not be, I like this picture, uh, a slug on the, on the couch, Right? We need to know God's truth in order to know how to make a decision. Now, I could have read the passage out of Revelation 13 today. I need you to know that the Scripture has more than one answer for how to deal with the government. If I were to just read Revelation 13 and the end times and understanding what's going on there, you know what it says there? Grab your swords and fight. If I use that, if I use that scripture this morning, what would it be? It would be a, a call to war, right? That scripture says, "Grab your swords, because the government's bad, and fight. Don't sit back and wait. Take them out." So, I was reminded of that this week as I was looking at the scriptures, realizing that that there's more than one answer on how to deal with. Uh, the government and re our religious freedom, but you will never know that if you don't dig into Scripture. You'll be this slug on the couch. <laughs> there was a dog one, but I, it, it was kind of dark, so I didn't like it. The reality is this. We need to own our faith. Owning your faith means that you understand and that you dig into Scriptures and that you find people in your life who can help you make those decisions. Those who will help you understand. Maybe those who will have a different opinion than you have. Praying to God that, hey, I need to decide about how to do this. I don't know what to do. See, because uh, in Ephesians it tells us that at one point we were infants. And I, I watch, I'm watching my grandchild she finally figured out how to get up on two arms and two legs, but on her knees, you know. And so she can't crawl yet, but she's pretty close. 
But the funny part is, she's up on arms and legs, and she makes it take some move, and she goes, and she just flops over. She hasn't figured out how to, like, synchronize all those things, right? And yet, in our faith, we're called not to be those infants. Yeah, we were an infant at one time, but we're called to be believers who are mature in our faith. Mature in our faith and understanding that we need to continue to move closer and closer to God. This talks about, uh, this talks about a boat metaphor, right? Being washed and moved by the waves. Being blown by every wind of doctrine. But no, but we need to understand who we are and who we are in Christ. Secondly, we need to recognize that God has sovereignty. Maybe. Get some, there we go. The scripture in Romans says, let everyone be subject to the governing authorities for there is no authority except that which God has established. That scripture says to me that God has put the people in place who are in place and that at some level we have to respect that. That's probably a challenging thing for you to hear this morning because it's a challenging thing for me, me to hear this morning that God has put the people who are in, in those positions of power in power. Does that, is that struggle? Is that, you guys, if you watch the news, it might be a struggle, right? That God has put anybody in those, in those positions to do what they're doing is a challenge for me. And so I have to remember that God is still sovereign over all of that. Sovereign's a nice big word. Sovereign's a nice big word for supreme authority, for jurisdiction, for a rule, the rule. He's ruling over all of that. And see, I think a lot of times we want it black and white. Now, for some of you, for the ADHD people, they're already freaking out and they're all the way into the back of that circle, right? <laughs> I know how that works. I was going to put a checkerboard up, but I know, I know how that works, right? ADHD, I'm already in the hole. Ah, uh, yeah, it is. Whatever you want it to be, Ken. The reality is this. We want things to be black and white. We like it when things are black and white. Do we not? We like to know the answer. We like to have a one, two, three stepwise plan to make it work. We'd like to understand how God could put people uh, who don't honor him in positions of power. That's my struggle in it, right? If God is sovereign, my struggle is how do people who are not following God's word, not following God's plan, get in those positions where they control things over those who follow after God. That's a challenge for me. And yet I read the scripture and it says that God is sovereign in all of that. And it reminds me that not everything is black and white. There's a, there's a scripture in Matthew that talks about Matthew chapter 12 where Jesus is walking again with the Pharisees, the good old Pharisees, right? They're walking through this field and it's on a Sunday morning or it's the Sabbath. Um, it could have been a Saturday, but it was the Sabbath day. And they're not supposed to work, right? Good Jews don't work on the Sabbath. And what happens? The disciples are hungry. And so they grab a, a head of grain. And they, of course, I don't know if you've ever done that. When it's full, you, you roll it and it, the grains begin to fall out. And they begin to eat uh, some of that grain because they're hungry. And what do the Pharisees do? They're like, hey, they're working. They're working on a Sunday. 
They're, 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 gonna, they're working. Did you see them? They're working on a Sunday. And what does Jesus do? He doesn't justify what's going on. He says, hey, do you remember that story where, uh, where David uh, ate the consecrated bread? And it wasn't okay. And I, and I still, I don't get this. It wasn't okay for Saul to eat and do the sacrifices of a priest, and yet it was okay for David to do the sacrifice of the priest and eat that bread. And I asked myself this question, just because I don't understand it doesn't make it right or wrong. Just because I can't understand and justify it doesn't make it right or wrong. And here's another great example, right? God's math is that five loaves and two fishes would feed 5,000 people. I don't know about you, but I can't make that add up. You know the best part of this story? You know what the best part of this story is? No, before that. The best part of this story is what happens afterwards. You know what happens right after they eat? Everybody's ate to their fill. You know what happens? He says, gather up the extras. You know what happens? There's more extras than it started with. Coincidence? I think not. That part is the best part of the story for me. It's cool that he did a miracle, but there's more stuff left afterwards. There's more leftovers than was there when he started the miracle. That math doesn't add up. It doesn't add up to me, and I'm pretty sure it doesn't add up to you. But it does remind me that God's sovereignty is bigger and more powerful and probably a whole lot more uh, the right way than I can understand or even grasp. So what do we do with that, right? We seek God's truth. We realize that God has, is sovereign in our lives, even if we don't understand it all, right? There are times in our life when, uh, when his sovereignty really is confusing, when some one person or one family goes through a whole lot more struggles and trials and troubles than another family. And we say, why did, what did they do? Well, the scriptures tell us, right? Who, the blind child was born. Who was the, who was the problem? Him or his family, right? Who, who caused the problem? And we try to do that. We try to add it up. So we know that God is sovereign. And so what do we do in the midst of that? We must focus on our responsibility. Your responsibility. You. This may be the biggest challenge yet. We need to take the focus off of others and look in the mirror. Now, I got to tell you this story. I think it's hilarious. So, and I'm going to change. I'm going to change what I do. So, I got up this morning, like I do every Sunday morning. I got dressed, got ready. I came. I got all the way at 7:45. Go to the bathroom, and I look in the mirror for the first time today, and I look, and I'm like, ugh. That looks pretty pathetic. I'm all scruffy today. <laughs> you know why? Because I don't look in the mirror all that often. <laughs> and normally I have a pattern and a set that I just, uh, when I, I get up on Saturday night, I, or Saturday night before I go to bed, I, take a, I shave so I don't have to worry about it in the morning. And something happened last night out of the ordinary. <laughs> so I got my sermon notes, but I forgot to shave. Sorry. So don't be offended. Uh, 
It was like quarter to eight. I didn't have time to run home. It's a long ways. I can't get there from here. But I think it, it, it only bears out the illustration that how little and how, how less often do we look in the mirror and realize who we are with God. It's easy to poke fun at the politicians. It's easy to poke fun at others who do things differently than us. And yet very rarely do we actually step back and say, okay, God, let's work on this together, me and you, right? There's a, there's a country song that comes to mind. I'm not, I'm not a country fan, but there's a country song by Josh Turner that's called Me and God. And, uh, that, that just rings. I like, I'm a music kind of guy, and it rings in my head that really we should be doing working on our relationship with God with just me and God, right? Each of us with God. And not worrying so much about what other people are doing or what other people are doing we don't like. I think and wonder how much time and energy is wasted on all the things that we can, we have zero impact on in life. No matter how mad you get at the president, he's not coming to dinner at your house. Right? He's not. He's not going to, he's not going to come and hang out you're not going to get five minutes to spend time with them. I, I, I'm sorry if that hurts your feelings, but the reality is that, right? Some, some of us get so tangled up in the things that we have no control over that we miss what's important, which is our relationship with God. And I do the same. I get frustrated, and I see it too. And I have to be reminded, and the Scripture reminds me that my focus needs to be on me and God. And worry less about the things I can't control. Because try as much as I can about those other things. I cannot control what happens in those situations. Probably the biggest thing I could do is pray. God, or, uh, Paul tells the, the, in the Roman church, he said, in uh, verse 16, he says, pay the taxes to the authorities because they're God's servants, right? Give to everyone what you owe them. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. It's interesting. He says, if you owe revenue, pay revenue. If respect, then respect. If honor, then pay honor. He reminds me, and hopefully he reminds you, that there's only so much we can do about those outside things, but there's a whole lot we can do with our relationship with God. Oh, I wanted to show you that. That's the verse. I don't know if you, you know who this guy is. Uh, maybe hard to read. Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Uh, that's a, he's, kind of a, he's, kind of a big, he's kind of a big deal in the Christian uh, theology uh, realms. Uh, he was born in 1906, a theologian, a pastor. Uh, he wrote a book called The Cost of Discipleship. You may have heard that. He was a, a German uh, pastor. Uh, during the early 19, or the late 1930s, uh, when Hitler was coming into power, uh, Bonhoeffer was one of those guys who was pushing back. He was in Germany. He saw what was going on. He knew it was wrong. And he made a decision uh, to do what was right. He knew God, he knew that um, annihilating Jews was not okay. And so he stood up. He began to stand up to Hitler and the regime and he said, this is wrong, and I'm not going to continue to allow you to do this without some pushback. And so 
it, it got pretty sketchy for him. And, and he had been to America as a teacher at, uh, before this. And so it got pretty sketchy enough that there was a, a, um, a challenge on his life. And he made a decision to come to America. And he came to America in like 1940, I want to say 41, I think it was. Uh, he came to America in 41 to get away from being killed uh, in Germany because he had, pushed, he had pushed pretty hard and Hitler uh, wasn't all that impressed. And he got to America and he was safe. But probably one of the things that I respect most about Bonhoeffer was this. He got to America, he realized he was safe, he had a reason to be here. He could have justified being in America. He was teaching, uh, he was a great teacher. And he got here and he realized the mistake he had made. He realized that he needed to be back home. He said, my people are suffering for their faith. And I need to suffer for my faith just like they did and are. And he said, I need to go back and fight for those people. I need to be personally responsible for my faith. And that means not living in America safe, but rather going back to Germany. Think about this for a moment. You get out, you're safe, and you can't live with yourself, and you have to go back. That's what Bonhoeffer did. I respect that a lot because I think there were so many easier ways to do life than go back and fight. Bonhoeffer would go back and fight uh, and actually work in the underground to try to continue to protect these people, to push back against Hitler. Uh, he spent about, uh, he ended up being arrested in uh, 43, I think it was, um, accused of trying to kill Hitler. He was in a group of people that were trying to fight back. Well, I don't know that he was uh, on the murder of trying to kill Hitler, but obviously his group was trying to uh, right the wrongs there. He spent 18 months in jail. April, 9, or April 8th of 1945, there was a trial about, oh, didn't last very long, about 10 minutes. And him and his uh, four or five people that he was with were hung in the middle of the city. A mere three weeks later, the Hitler regime was gone. Hitler committed suicide on the April 30th of that year. Bonhoeffer died on April 8th. He had no idea, right? He had no idea how close he was uh, to working through it. Maybe that's pretty that's powerful for me because it's like this man went back for his faith and did what he knew was right. That was his responsibility. He felt responsible to his uh, fellow believers in Germany. Went back, could have stayed, went back and paid the price of martyrdom for his people. One of the things that uh, Bonhoeffer is uh, remembered for is the idea of cheap grace. You may have heard cheap grace. Uh, cheap grace is this. Cheap grace is this understanding. Uh, you might want what I like to call it, the get-out-of-hell-free card, right? Uh, the grace is big enough to save you, but it doesn't change anything in your life. Makes no difference, right? You get, the, you get all the benefits without any of the cost. And that was Bonhoeffer's life story, right? Not having cheap grace. He realized that grace, that God's love would cost him something. And isn't that like our freedom? Our freedom will cost us something. And it should. 
It's our right and it's our responsibility. We have a right to believe in God, but when we join the club and we're a part of his eternity, we need to be following hard after him. Let's pray. Lord God, we come to you this morning. I thank you for your word. I thank you for the reminder that your son Jesus died on that cross that we might have eternity. Lord, may we live life not in the cheap grace way. May we live life, Lord, in in reflection that it cost Jesus his life. And Lord, while we're here on this earth, it should cost us our life. We should be willing to give up the things that were old. We should be willing, Lord, to invest our time and our energy and point in the direction that you would have us to be. To do the things, Lord, you, are, you have called us to. Lord, we're reminded that you have a truth that's in your word. Lord, allow us to not be lazy believers. Push us, Lord. Move us. Encourage us to look deep in your word. To understand, to look, to try to, to understand your ideals for life. Lord, we realize that you are a sovereign and powerful God. And there are things in life we don't understand. There are things in life we can't rationalize. There are things in life that don't add up one plus one. And that's okay. That's where we come in and we we trust, Lord, that you have a plan that's better than our plan. Most of all, Lord, I I pray that you'd make it personal for each of us. That, Lord, we would begin to look at our own lives and quit looking at others' lives and think that we're better or we've done it differently or, Lord, take that away from us and help us to see how you're moving in our life and how that direction, Lord, is the one that you want for us. May the grade that we go against be who we used to be and who we are now. Please, Lord, don't allow us to have cheap grace. In your name we pray. Amen.